Hello, and welcome to Orchestral Theatre, a series of conversations about interdisciplinary work involving orchestras. I'm Adrian Curtin. I think there is something about the intimacy of a smaller group of players that feels um, very important, not least because the players speak, they're absolutely part of the, the storytelling process. I think that that sort of feeling of investment from everyone on the stage feels like a really important part of these shows and, and somehow a breaking down of a gap between the, the, the musician playing their complicated instrument, but, but actually, no, it's a musician who plays their complicated instrument, but also talks to you about tree frogs or, um, <laughs> or, or will then hand you a feather or something like that. That's Kate Wakeling, my guest for this episode. Kate is writer-in-residence with Aurora Orchestra and co-creator of Aurora's Far, Far Away series of children's storytelling concerts. Her scripts and stories for the orchestra have featured across the UK and beyond. <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, let's kick off. Um, so you have the title of Writer-in-Residence with Aurora Orchestra, um, which is a wonderful title and not one that I've come across in relation to other ensembles. Could you um, say something about what that title means and, and the work that you do with them? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think in a way my work with Aurora began on very um, conventional grounds that I, I was there program notes writer from from the beginning actually and it was the, the very first set of program notes I wrote I think um and when for the for the orchestra's very first concert so um that that went on and I, I started writing program notes as a more of a sort of professional venture for other for other venues and other orchestras and things like that um and then I can't remember what where, which came first whether it was the far far away things or um the orchestra did a really interesting project a kind of orchestral theatre project one of their probably their very first um called Thriller I think um and they sort of opened the invitation whether or not I'd like to make the program notes a bit more playful and um I, I really went with it <laughs> and um and wrote quite a a, a, a I remember it being one of the most joyful days of thinking of all these kind of strange and unusual ways that I might present these notes. I think there was a word search, there was a poem that kind of went round in a circle that you could have started and and finished and um, all sorts of things. They felt like it was a real chance to be sort of exploratory. But anyway, that that sort of began a a thing then of of the programme notes became quite a different thing for a little while. And that sort of, eventually that sort of passed by as well but I think there was a point that the kind of writing I was doing for the orchestra then alongside Far Far Away it kind of um, shifted from perhaps what might be a more conventional you know program notes annotator role to other sorts of writing and I think working on their season brochures as well it, it was interesting that the relationship began in very very sort of normal <laughs> normal terms and then I suppose both Aurora and, and me both both were kind of exploring other things kind of separately and so it sort of made sense to to make the role more fruitful and it, it was really important part of my creative development in a way that the orchestra gave me enormous confidence to to keep going and to kind of be more exploratory and it was very early days for me as a creative writer and in a way it gave me a chance to explore and um and try things out and it the kind of confidence that music gave me because of my musical training I think in a way it sort of it sort of gave me the um the nudge to, to dare to be a writer, so I now think of myself just as, just as a writer rather than a musicologist, perhaps. But um, 
Is that a long answer? Sorry. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a long and a, and a good answer. Can you go back through the, the fog of memory and think about the far, far away project series and, and how that came about and why it came about? Yes, well, I, I just remember getting an email from from Jane Mitchell, the the now creative director of the orchestra, and um, she, I think, has always had a very um, sort of wonderfully imaginative and an ambitious view of how um, the kind of learning and participation program of the orchestra might might work, and I think um, has real integrity about it not being something that's on the side, but it being absolutely about part of the main creative drive of the orchestra. So she sent me an email saying, would I like to write write a kind of story for a concert? Would that be a kind of interesting idea for children? And um, and it was, and I can't I can't remember how how it sort of came about that we we sort of opted the idea that it would be um, for that first one, it was quite it was using Bach preludes and fugues that were then arranged by Ian Farrington, who's also a really important part of how these things kind of become possible because he is such a brilliant collaborator he will can take an idea and always make it sort of blossom into something very wonderful so he made these um chamber arrangements and I wrote quite <laughs> I mean I now yes it's definitely not not a show that I would think that should be repeated too much it was it was a quite complicated story about a few theme that had got lost and it had was meeting lots of other I can't remember it. um but it was a yes. I mean, it was we sort of put it together in a one three hour rehearsal or something with a harp, flute, and cello, um, and the musicians narrated. There was um, Jesse Marion Davis, who's a wonderful kind of uh, music leader, facilitator, storyteller, um, and there were various bits of audience participation. But it was quite untheatrical in a way. It was just uh, speaking, and then you know, I suppose more the sort of music participation that you might see in all sorts of kind of children's classical concerts so you know joining in with a song and clapping and I think there was a my child could come up and do some conducting that sort of thing but it um but it was really fun and it felt quite we didn't really know what we were doing we didn't have a director we just sort of put it together and I'd made I mean I think I made all the like folders that everyone had with their parts and their scripts and it was um but it somehow did feel it felt very exciting, and um, and then we just did more, and they they sort of they carried on, and, and yes, changed a lot, um, got longer, got shorter. We thought more carefully about the age range. Yes, in a way, we would just sort of put it out there. <laughs> well, I'm interested in 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 how this has evolved since it started. It started in around twenty, I don't know, twenty fourteen or so. Yes, well, actually, I just found an email from twenty thirteen, so I think oh. twenty twelve. But yes, yeah, sometime around then. Yes, yeah. Um, so a while ago. <laughs> and are you following the same the same creative process uh, now as you did those those many years ago? In a funny way, I think. I think in at heart, yes. I mean, I think there's a lot more there's a lot more knowledge and um, experience about how they work, and I think there's a lot more um, embracing of of other aspects of kind of of more theatrical presentation than those first ones, which were very much words and music. Rather, there was no movement or um, any really sort of material objects used, really. But yes, it's sort of they usually begin by if that's the sort of thing that's helpful to hear about how they might how they might sort of come about. Um, usually a sort of conversation that's 
that kind of comes up with a theme and then a so there's a we've had a sort of idea of a single composer where actually there was also the French Baroque at one point mm. but other than that's always been a single composer um and something that just feels like a sort of nice fit uh, yes I mean it doesn't I don't like Bart, Bartok and Pirates hard to say why uh or um yes what were the some other ones yes but Beethoven and the Dinosaurs <laughs> and then but, like, but what what what's what prompts that that connection why 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 make a why make a show about dinosaurs and use beethoven's music why not right but yes, you know um, I, know. I, I suppose in a, a way a lot of it is kind of an, a sort of instinct and a, i mean i suppose particularly with the beethoven one there's the sense of him being a bit of a dinosaur <laughs> there was a sort of um something uh, i guess quite hard to articulate just a sort of um sense about the music and i suppose that's that for me is one of the most enjoyable bits because i program them actually mm. and in a way I find that experience of delving into all that music and then sort of feeling a story from that uh, or a kind of theme thematic area or something like that um, they're quite it would be hard to say exactly why they work but um, or if they do work but, mm. but they come about I think through something quite a sort of instinctive response to that music it's yes I suppose it's not particularly rational connections <laughs> <laughs> So the the historical circumstances of the pieces themselves do they matter so much as maybe their thematic associations or their affective associations yes. as part as part of the storytelling? I mean, this isn't a, uh, a an educational, uh, you know, musicological exercise in in <laughs> instructing um, children about sort of where these pieces came from in in yes. the composer's right. biographies or anything like that. No, to me, I think it feels much more about creating a kind of a sort of sensory or narrative or, a, a, yes, a connection to the, the sort of stuffness of the music, like what's, what's, what's in it, what are, what are sort of possible feelings that, you, that it might elicit and how can we play with those and kind of turn them into some other form. So it, uh, it might be something to do with a, a prop or an animal or um, a kind of movement that everyone's going to do. But yes, I, I've, I actually really enjoy the kind of, shedding those sorts of associations although I've got often used funnily the title of um so I'm often looking for miniatures so sort of shorter shorter pieces that, that don't have to be trimmed down necessarily um and often I find that in a title or something like that there's a kind of um seed that, that gives an mm. idea of the story and somehow yes so it feels like there's a connection there even if it doesn't necessarily need to be um mm. articulated to the families who are coming What's the the balance between um, the musical components and the um, let's say the kind of the, the theatre or the storytelling elements? You know, is there a, a, a kind of a, a perfect ratio that you have in mind? <laughs> Do you mean in um, in sort of emphasis and or yeah, yeah? I think the music was always the thing, but it's um, I think it, it's even clearer in my mind that that's that's what what's really special about them actually I think is is the kind of music making at the heart of them and the and the, the animating of that music making into sort of other forms but it's the it's the sort of music's the source I mean the music was always the source of the story so um that's not changed at all but I think um I suppose it feels like it's important that it's not just a straight concert at all and that the but I think there are other probably there are other shows out there that are probably have even more kind of a more theatre focused than than these, which I think have a have a very um, close attention paid to the performance and to the mm. and the, I think the repertoire. I think it's quite rare that there's they're so concentrated in their attention. I think there's there's a there, it seems that things for children are usually more um, 
miscellaneous. Um, yes, and like the and, and the repertoire used for, for children's concerts is also more familiar, right? I mean, yes, there are some yeah. deep cuts, deep cuts. It seems yeah. to me that you that you have reached for in yes, in, absolutely, in programming. yeah, quite. And I enjoy that kind of un, the uncompromisingness. Yeah, there's sort of, there's sort of ongoing joke is when will we do like you know Bayburn and the Ghosts or something? <laughs> I mean, which, which I, I think never, but um, but I think it wouldn't be impossible. I think it could it could happen in, in a way. It's not um, theoretically it could happen. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there are that many limits to, you know, I think if, if a bit of music's 17 minutes long, that's probably always going to be problematic. But if it's short and framed in a way that kind of invites you in and perhaps gives you a way to join in or something that's beautiful to watch that somehow reflects mm. something of the music, then I think um, I think people seem to want to go with it. Mm. Yeah. So the the sense of the of the miniature in the in the music um, and the the smaller forces in the ensemble, I guess, are important ingredients for for this series. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't get the whole the whole Aurora Orchestra band uh, as as part of it. I mean, would that be would that be a desire, or would you think that would actually work against um, the kind of aesthetic that you that you have developed? That's a good question. Yeah, in a way, I I think the latter. I think there is something about the intimacy of a smaller group of players that feels um, very important. Not, not least because the players speak; they're absolutely part of the the storytelling process. And I could imagine as a huge ensemble, or as a just a, as an ensemble, that would that would shift. That it would be only certain people who would be able to speak. And um, I think that that sort of feeling of investment from everyone on the stage feels like a really important part of these shows and, and somehow a breaking down of a gap between the, the the musician playing their complicated instrument but but actually no it's a musician who plays their complicated instrument but also talks to you about tree frogs or um, <laughs> um or, or will then hand you a feather or something like that so <laughs> yes I think there's a kind of intimacy I mean it's interesting in the, the Beethoven show because actually I think there are some of those bits of music are from kind of smaller scale pieces but yes it was interesting to to also think on slightly grander. There's an excerpt from a piano concerto and a couple of symphonies and things like that. But again, mm. that's, I feel like that's having Ian there. It's a kind of makes such a difference that there's someone who will so immediately be able to translate those things so straightforwardly. I mean, it's not straightforward, but he here <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> um, so there are there are symphonic pieces that are arranged for uh, a, a small chamber ensemble. Yes, um, yeah, and like sometimes... three or four musicians. I mean, yes. it's, that, that seems like quite a quite a translation, yeah. doesn't no, it? No, I know, it, it is, <laughs> yes, uh, it, it is remarkable. And sometimes the brief will also be like, and if this instrument could also somehow reflect the idea of lightning or... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so the, his, the brief is sometimes quite um, particular, but he's mm. always mm. made. <laughs> Ask about your experience of uh, of attending these these concerts um, and, and kind of going from that initial point where where there's a script and you have ideas for what this might be and then you know you work with the folk at Aurora and then it meets an audience and I'm I'm wondering what that does to it and how it might change your ideas about the the piece itself. Yes, absolutely, and I think um, since we started doing the shows in the round, which which were kind of more inviting to to even younger children. I think um, the sense of needing to kind of build in a certain amount of flexibility because those the, the process of that performance will um, it's sort of necessarily going to have to be responsive. And I suppose that's what's such an important part of having um, someone like Jesse Marion Davis, who 
uh, is very often the person who's that sort of in between the players and the audience as a kind of storyteller and facilitator. And yes, yeah, so there are the sort of there are set elements that I suppose I probably don't get get changed some lines spoken and some bits of music, but there are various other bits that they kind of have to be in flex when the, the thing is happening because someone might become so excited by some bubbles that some music has to be played <laughs> twice round or maybe that there has to be a little warm down that's kind of led by Jesse because things have got too excited or something like that. So, <laughs> um, And in a funny way, I think that the earlier... The, the kind of earlier iteration of them, which were initially on a stage and quite sort of separate, in a way, I think they probably didn't have as much flexibility built into them, which made them a bit more nerve wracking. They were they became quite kind of expansive stories, which also became quite theatrical in terms of um, props and movement. But they they were kind of almost like plays, I suppose. I don't think they were as as suited in a way. I think what's what's needed, um, and if you're really inviting people to join in, then you kind of also have to give them some space to to join in in ways they might want to that you can't necessarily know in advance so mm. um that's been a yeah was an interesting change so I mean, what are the things that you would say that you have learned uh, either about your creative process or or about this task of creating story performances with music for children uh, having having done this now for for several years, mm-hmm. I mean, are the things that you know work well, and things that you you have you know perhaps errors or mistakes that that were made in the process that now you can go oh well we won't do that again right? Um. <laughs> yes, lots. I mean, I think the the sense of pacing I think is probably the the thing I feel most responsible for in a way, in terms of my role and the thing that I feel like I have more and more of a kind of intuitive sense. Mm-hmm. So just having a a sort of a, an advanced sense, I hope, of of what how interesting something can be for how long, mm-hmm. <laughs> when something might need to be, you know, when something can be quiet and soft, and when something more animated needs to happen, and when when in a show there might need to be a point that everyone can move around. I think those things have just got honed show after show, and and in a funny way, I think that then was a point where I was almost um, started to play it a bit safe, perhaps. And I think Jane actually is particularly um, has always been a good force at being a kind of nudging back to saying, "Well, I think people can take this, or we can, mm-hmm. you know, we can play a longer piece at the start, or you know, things." Um, I think my I sort of yes, I'm quite risk averse, <laughs> and. Um, and I think, yes, particularly, I suppose, because I'm not then in any way in control, obviously, of what happens in the performance. So the sort of feeling of responsibility of making sure that things are um, a sort of, you know, that what's what's on the page is going to be kind of manageable feels, yes. Yeah, so I think I've learned a lot about that, um, those sort of subtle ebbs and flows of energy and of, of where there can be a bit more raucous disruption and where you kind of are hoping for quiet attention. Um, and I think that's probably what was where the most mistakes were in the beginning. It was probably just everything, all manner of things being slightly too long or too too wordy or, yes, just too much of this or that. The secret sauce of, yeah, the of secret sauce. Uh, far, far away. <laughs> it's still, uh, you know, never predictable. I mean, it's very a very interesting feature of um, when there are, often there are three shows uh, in, in um, at King's Place where they tend to be performed and um, they often have this completely different character that's, Yes, it's quite interesting. We sort of reflect on after, but often the second second show is like a, has a very sort of mellow feeling, and sometimes the first show feels like there's a lot of people who've maybe been all up all night with their children and things. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yes, the third show—it's just interesting. Um, you never quite know what what it will yeah. be. And, um, well, I guess that's yeah. the that's the truism about about 
theater right is that each yeah. each audience is different yes. and they have they bring their own they bring their own energies to mm. to the performance right yeah and when um, you're really inviting in those energies to be part of the performance then you've got to you've got to be ready to respond to it but i'd say that is jesse is the kind of what a, a, a true um master of that i think she is uh, able to respond with great spontaneity and and with a very enjoyable sense of fun for adults as well i think she's very mm. good at uh uh, connecting to to all sides of the audience, which I think is mm. an important part of them. Yeah. Do you relate the work that that you're doing in the Far Far Away series to the work that that Aurora does with uh, you know general adult audiences? Does it feel like it's of a kind, or is there perhaps are there things that you do with Far Far Away that the the main orchestra would not do or would not do to the same extent? think so I don't and actually uh, John John Hart the CEO has always been very um he's occasionally sort of said that he uh, I remember at one point him saying he feels like far far away is the kind of tr truest expression of the orchestra as probably slightly before their um they really took off with their orchestral theatre things but I think the sort of feeling of what they wanted uh concerts to feel like actually there's an interesting thing that we did a far far away concert for adults I don't know if you were oh, I don't know that Exclusively adults, so it was the Beethoven show, which I think was a good fit for it. And I think it, um, I don't know, dare I say, it's sort of a certain wits that might just be, but it, I mean, that really took the kind of magic of Jesse to they to sort of play it for that audience. But it was very fun. It was like a, a completely full um, audience, and they had drinks and they joined mm -hmm. in with the dancing and the singing mm -hmm. and all the things. So it was very fun. Yes, a kind of after hours. I think it came. It was after a um, you know seven thirty concert. It was then a kind of late night thing. But I, yeah, I do feel like there's a there's a real connection between them. I mean, I think it is it is different. Um, but I don't feel like it's fundamentally. I feel like it shares very similar ideals, and I think the kind of sense of of where music sits in it, which is and and why you might want to add all these other things to music, which is it's not kind of apologizing for the music. It's saying, wouldn't it be fun to animate the music in some other ways as well? And maybe some people who weren't so sure about the music will find their way in or something like mm -hmm. that. I think I suppose because Jane has been such an important part of Far Far Away and is such an important part of the orchestra's um orchestral theatre kind of program, it I sort of just know that that's that's not that she views them as as both very important. So it, it's um, mm. yes, it's never ever felt anything like a kind of relegated um, section. Of yeah, no, I can from from the outside, I can I can see that there's shared DNA right between yeah. all, all all of those different projects. if you think of the orchestra as a theatrical entity or as something that that has a kind of theatrical potential about it that's interesting um, i suppose the question is what you mean by orchestra do you mean the the institution or those players or how what what um <laughs> hmm. i mean I, I guess i was thinking the ensemble on the stage but equally, I guess one could think about the institution as as being a kind of <laughs> theatrical entity. And there are certainly there are some characters in some in some of these organisations, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know so much about the processes of those. Certain, I mean, I, I only kind of from a more informal conversations, um, almost more as friends of hearing how how it's gone. I think it's it sounds like it's quite interesting that the. I think the the players of Aurora are, are a really interesting mix, and I think there are lots of people who are part of the ensemble and are really 
kind of particularly love that they get to do these these things particularly in the work from memory and um and that that's the kind of thing that they're exploring in their work otherwise and I think there's probably also players for whom it's a very different thing and and I'm sure no one doesn't enjoy it but I imagine there's different uh pushes and pulls uh so in a way I guess I think of the theatricality being more about actually I sort of feel like it's not it's not quite my place I feel like I'm I'm a, I guess I feel external to that and that anything I say is quite sort of speculative and I don't really know actually what do I think whether I think I guess I picture it more as a, a team of people who come up with the stuff and then facilitate the players on the stage to take part in that as opposed to a sort of troupe of actor musicians or anything like that I don't I, that's not my sense of it actually but it's mm. a lot of musicians who I think step in to it in a very willing way and have learned mm. to trust that even if they're going to be asked to play with a mask on or in different contexts that that things will be made safe for them and, and manageable mm. yeah it's interesting i don't quite know <laughs> but clearly you have no difficulty in recognizing the storytelling potential in orchestral repertoire um or indeed other other types of repertoire Right. Yes. Yeah. No, I think I um, have, yes, really enjoy, enjoy that. And I suppose I feel like one of the most special things about working with Aurora is a sort of, I just feel like they trust me to, to follow my instincts somehow, follow my impulses and that um, I couldn't always articulate why a certain bit of music might have a, for me, a mood or a, a sense of story, but, um, but I don't have to have to explain it any beyond mm. sort of, presenting the idea and and, and mm. feeling of like okay well let's how, how can we make this work sort of thing yes it's interesting I, I mean because I you know I my training is is music I that's what I did as a teenager and at university and on and on and um but I think I was always yearning to be doing something else actually and so yes in a way the kind of work with Aurora has been a very special way of, of keeping those things connected and um but I mean, it's funny because there's a concert we did about um the Brandenburg no the Goldberg variation mm -hmm. and it's funny because I remember being a student and um and coming home and being quite drunk and putting it on and sort of listening to it and really feeling like there was some uh that each of the different variations were, were sort of I can't I don't know I can't really say what it was but anyway just this very particular feeling of, of senses of sort of characters I mean almost voices but not of um mm. not actually articulating anything but in a way I've always feel that that memory is somehow it's somehow that sort of weird subconscious connection between music and, and, and sort of what it's ineffably saying that mm. I'm alive in mm. a rather pretentious way of putting it. But um, Well, I think I, I suspect that a lot of people invest and project onto music and make sense of it through some kind of imaginative dramatic narrative engagement it has that potential for it mm -hmm. but often i mean the, the standard way of performing that repertoire in, a, in an orchestra is just to let the listener imagine that for themselves if they yes. if they want to whereas i think what aurora and some others are doing is instantiating that a, a bit mm -hmm. more pointing to some of the ways that we can think about music and uh, extrapolate it into imaginative narrative yes. Yeah, yes, exactly that. And I suppose it's yes, it feels very important that it would never be a it's never saying that this is this is the, the only yeah. yeah. And it's interesting when I think about how the kind of different ways that the musical numbers are treated or approached in a far, far away show, I think when I think about it, I think there's I hope that there's sort of different kinds of space in them. So one might be very characterized by a puppet animal or something. 
and then another might be something a bit more contemplative linked to I don't know what a night sky or a river but um but in a way by doing lots of different kinds of or linked to movement more in, in a more abstract sense or 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 to emotion but that somehow by having lots of different links then I suppose I hope there's some sense that you're kind of opening up you're not saying yeah. that it yeah. all needs to be image-based and um or yes a, the, the hero's journey or whatever it is indeed different possibilities emerge mm. um speaking of the this collection of of stories <laughs> that you wrote for the 2018 2019 series is such an interesting thing it's such an interesting object and yes no i can't quite of, believe it went through <laughs> <laughs> and that also it's, just, it's kind of like unexplained in terms of, of, of yeah. what it is and no and, no I mean, yes and, and I'm, so I'm, can you say something about about what this is yeah, and how, no, I mean, it, how it relates to the to the concert series yeah, I mean, I suppose in a way, it's a, it's a sort of it's the most extreme example of trust and in and in just letting things kind of flow as they might. But it was actually it came about partly, I think. I don't know who's the actual idea for a short, for the story collection was. It certainly wasn't wasn't mine. They the Aurora also works with a designer called Nick Eagleton, who's um, so those those early programs. They they he kind of just rendered them into wonderful sort of works of art. So. Yes, I would have these kind of slightly nutty ideas about what what the program looks. So there's yes, there was a they they um, performed a the suite from West Side Story as part of a thing about cities and yes, I sort of came up with an idea of like a a big kind of subway map with um, all of the different pieces represented or a diff- and different um, you know the kind of interchanges and codes and things like that. But then he will will render it in a sort of the most perfect way possible, so it actually you know reads properly um, visually. He's always worked on these season brochures, which have been quite kind of experimental. I think he has just encouraged. So he works for, for free for the orchestra. Actually, the orchestra won a competition. I think in the very early days. He's, I'm definitely not the final expert on this. But I think they won a won some sort of um, yes year of kind of wonderful design from this very snazzy agency that Nick and Nick was their sort of point of contact. And then he's I think he's just carried on because he I guess it's a very nice free three things to work on and yes he has has a lot of really sort of playful input into it and um I don't know yeah whose idea it was <laughs> he was yes he was absolutely instrumental in making the book for instance it, he was like it needs to feel absolutely like a properly like a book not it can't feel like it's a season brochure it's got to feel actually like it's a book you'd buy in the shop and um I can't remember what the brief was I mean it's probably like two sentences or something because and then I was like great yep yeah. I sort of somehow sense <laughs> to me I mean, it's really interesting because, I mean, it's a series of concerts that are focused on uh, the idea of orchestral theatre. So they're, 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 they've been programmed in a certain way and they have a, a theme. Um, yes. and, and then you have written stories and other kinds of text that are kind of parallel to those concerts so the the concerts have their own stories in a way and then there's this other this other uh, set of stories so it's it's delightfully weird (laughs) (laughs) so it's a bit like the programs actually in in a way I suppose because actually I'm not so involved with any of the orchestral theatre things now so I in some ways I wonder if I yes yes whether that was a kind of things then the kind of parallel thing actually is not, not what's needed anymore but um they, actually, interesting. Not all of the concerts were actually the no, ones that were very, very sort of themed and um, uh, yes, more like formal orchestral theatre, like the um, smoke and mirrors. Yes, yeah, and actually, so I, I, I worked on some of the text for that um, actual concert. Um, so that felt quite a, in a way, that the some of that text was almost borrowed from the concert. So that 
yes, okay. it was sort of a parallel, but also not completely separate. And then some of them were much more, you know, they're all interestingly programmed, but I'd say quite most of the programs were kind of more like straight concerts in a sense. Okay. I mean, by any other orchestra standards, an extremely interesting program, but yes, but more more um, conventional in other senses. But no, I mean, it's a bit mad. I <laughs> I feel like quite like quite a lot of the things I do, I'm not sure everyone will have got it. <laughs> but then a few people really got it. And a, a few people got in touch to say they, they were, were sort of very um, taken with it. So, but oh, I, yes. I can imagine it equally baffled. <laughs> and I, yeah, I was just, I remember I, cause they were sending them out in the post for free. Yes, you could yeah. just, you could just ask to get one. So I asked to get one and then it arrived. I was like, what's this? <laughs> how how, how lovely to get like a, to get a, a collection of, of stories. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, and it was a very, yes, I really recall the sort of summer of writing them. Um, I mean, yes, it's interesting. I was then, I sort of wrote them very quickly, actually. And I mean, I sort of had to, but was then was completely spent for many months afterwards. It was <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, in a way, it was. It also taught me that you you can't, um, there's not an endless well of these things. You've got to then, because <laughs> yes, they, they felt very, I remember Nick, the conductor, wrote, wrote a very nice email saying they, they seemed like they were so easy. And I sort of was like, <laughs> kind of why? Like it was, <laughs> didn't feel like it, no, not one of the ideas felt very hard. They, they were, yeah, but but it's interesting. It did. I was very. Used mm, it tapped you out. <laughs> Before I let you go, uh, Kate, I'm I'm, I'd like to ask you about your musicological training. I'm really interested oh. in the in the fact that you have a PhD in in gamelan, yes, and I'm yeah. I'm wondering if or how that has informed your your work with the Aurora. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yes, I suppose my um, the sort of you know, step to ethnomusicology as it's certainly problematically known. So m- music anthropology, I kind of found my way into as an undergraduate. And um, I suppose it's, as a general discipline, it's 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 about the kind of human side of music making. And um, and then I got very interested in, in Balinese music. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why it kind of connected to something, I think probably some terrible orientalist kind of fantasy in the first instance, but then was what I ended up sort of writing about in terms of colonial interactions and all sorts of other terrible forms of subjugation and how Balinese music has been pushed here and there in order to serve other people's needs. I suppose there's, I don't know, I guess in a way that when I was doing that study in Indonesia, I kind of loosened up in all sorts of ways. And that's kind of when I started writing and when I returned from that fieldwork, I felt sort of ready to start trying to write a bit more formally. And so in a way, it sort of connects in that it, I suppose there's a, a loosening in some some sense, kind of Aurora's mission maybe in terms of thinking more colourfully or more broadly in, about what music can do and how it might be presented and things like that. I don't know mm. if there's a kind of very 
obvious connection, but somehow it was through that time that for me that, that I sort of felt like I could mm. come as just doing doing that sort of thing. Could you imagine a uh, a far far away uh, concert that might introduce young people to to gamelan or to other non Western musics? It's an interesting question, actually, that we're working on a um, sort of a songbook at the moment. So uh, part of the sort of far, far away work at the moment is creating some lots of resources, very beautiful resources for schools. And I think as part of that, there are going to be two pieces of music, new new bits of music commissioned, but from, you know, from, from non-Western traditions. Um, and it's, yeah, I guess I feel a certain hesitancy, particularly, I think very specifically about Balinese music. It feels like it's... Um, it's already had a lot projected on it. <laughs> I think I'd feel I'd feel much more at ease uh, messing around with the Western canon. I'd find that just intrinsically very satisfying. <laughs> so, and whereas I think I would, yes, I would feel a lot less kind of iconoclastic, or it would be a very different process. Not an impossible one, perhaps, but um, yes, I suppose I find taking these very classical, classical works, and then trying to think about them in a slightly um, skew-if way, ideologically quite satisfying, whereas mm. I think it's like a slightly different project. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. But not, um, who knows? <laughs> but there is a, a question there around which musical traditions, musical instruments, etc., we should be using to introduce uh, infants and children to to shape their musical understanding. I mean, why should it just be Western classical music? Yes, and that's a really good question. I suppose it's a question about whether whether I and Aurora are the people to do it. And I think yeah. just being very mindful of whether. Yes, I think particularly. I mean, it's very interesting. It's actually my time in Bali. The creative culture in Bali is as as collaborative and flexible as as I could possibly imagine. I suppose that um, and very um, carefree in terms of borrowing and adjusting and repurposing and putting a story on this and putting a story on that. But I suppose I would, I just feel like probably if there'd be some really just get some Balinese storytellers and musicians to come and do it. <laughs> but Indeed. not necessarily. Not necessarily. But I suppose yeah, I would feel quite. It doesn't um, leap out to me as, a, as the rights of invitation in some ways. But that's not to say those things shouldn't definitely, it would be good if there was more of them. But I think it's really important about who, who does those things. And I suppose I, uh, yes, feel quite protective. I feel like there's, there, there are all sorts of NAF collaborations out there and, um, or, or problematic collaborations. And um, yes, I, yes, in terms of Balinese music being kind of appropriated by other people's stuff. I would be quite hesitant. <laughs> I think that's that's wise. Thank you so much, Kate, for taking the time to, to chat oh, with me. It's been so wonderful. I've rambled on at great length. <laughs> I, I I love a good ramble. <laughs> well, it's good <laughs> this podcast is part of a research project funded by the British Academy, the UK's National Academy for the Humanities and Social Sciences.